welcome back to another episode of Fortitude Radio. We're back with another guest today. Today, my guest is my homeboy, Angelo Cisco. Uh, I met Angelo back in, I believe we just caught up, it was 2017. Angelo was one of my very first business mentors in this whole, uh, well, it used to be CrossFit space, in this whole fitness space. When we decided we wanted to uh, make this a real thing, yeah, it was more than just a hobby. Um, you have had one interesting journey, my man. Ooh. So let's, uh, you know, let's go back. Uh, some of the people listening to this, they're not going to know, you know, the origin story. The man who, uh, who had a CrossFit affiliate in Chicago. Was it O'Hare yeah. CrossFit? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, first of all, I want to say, man, thank you so much for having me on in that beautiful intro. And uh, yeah, I'll give a how far you want to go. I'm going to start with the cross my crossfit journey into now or just the last couple of years. Let's start at the beginning. Okay, perfect. January 5th, 2009, I was 300 pounds and I started crossfit. I'm a resolution shit 12 year resolution holder right mm -hmm. and so i started across it on my own back then uh the nearest affiliate wasn't uh you know near as they were back then and so it was me just looking at dot com stuff i lost 95 pounds in the first seven months of me doing CrossFit. obviously my nutrition and my lifestyle had drastic changes and also too let's be real here when you're 300 pounds you lose five pounds if you just take a walk around the block. I mean, got not, nothing against you, though, over, overweight people, but I love it because when someone's really overweight and they just watch themselves a little bit, that you wind up compounding so much motivation because you actually drop the weight quicker than someone that has that last 10 to lose or whatever it is. And so I lost 95 pounds and had a complete new lease on life. And uh, I started training people outside for free because that's where most of the, the CrossFit stuff I was even doing, it was just outside and stuff. And people are like, well, what are you doing? And I would just be like, yeah, come train with me or I'll work out with you when I'm done. And then I asked myself a question, like, why can't this be my life all the time? This is so much fun. I had another business at the time. It was actually selling pizza slices to drunks oh, outside man. bars and clubs in Chicago, which I started with a friend of mine a few years before. And that was basically running itself. And it's a great time too. You know, you're 23, 24. You're basically hanging out at the club. You get to sell pizza and make money. And you get all the fun because in the summer, everyone just wants to hang outside anyway. That's a whole other topic for another show. So I lose the 95. I'm training people outside. Why can't this be my life? I start training people outside for a small fee back then. September of 2009, I rented a racquetball court space. So I had a little personal training business, one, two, maybe three on one in this little racquetball court space, or I would travel to your house. I had a Mercury Grand Marquis, bro. And uh, it's like an old school, like looking police car. Yep. And man, if I was going to go by someone's house, I would load up kettle. It would look like a low rider. I'd have kettlebells and all that, med balls, everything in the back. 
and we pull up in your driveway. We do what we got to do. I'd pack my stuff back up, salute you, and come back to the racquetball court. Did that till October 2010. November 11, 2010, I opened up O'Hare CrossFit. O'Hare CrossFit is still running and gunning. Celebrated its 10-year anniversary on November 11th of this past year. So it's amazing. So we were able to transition out of that further in my career, which I'll get to. Uh, and then throughout the 2010s, I'd like to tell people I was in my very, that was my CrossFit identity. I, um, I grew the, the affiliate obviously opened up, uh, you know, in a bigger location. I opened up multiple locations. I, I, helped other people open up theirs, probably coached over 500 gyms worldwide. I got to speak as far as South Africa on the subject of CrossFit and business coaching. I took uh, a master's and the individual uh, to the games. Uh, I mean, like, if you, for me, I felt around 2018 at that point that, uh, if there was a CrossFit accolade to get at that point, I checked the box, mm. right? Like I felt very confident at that point. And then it just so happened right around 2015, what really catapulted my career was my journey into self-discovery work or, you know, uh, self-actualization work or inner work, if you'd like to call it, right? And uh, for me, that began with a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0 because I was still resistant of using mindful words like mindfulness. Where I came from, that was kind of weird, uh, especially <laughs> I'm from an Italian-American culture, Catholic, where you prayed, you didn't meditate. What are you talking about, right? Like sort of like that idea. Anyways, so I, I stumbled upon Emotional Intelligence 2.0 come to find out I lack self-awareness and self-control. I said, no shit. Okay. And I just started down this big, big path. Right. And then um, I started coming out to SoCal a lot, doing a lot of work out here because this is just a plethora of places down here. And uh, I came back home from one of these retreats. I started talking about it to one of my members. And they started making fun of me. What do you mean you don't wear shoes? Talking about what your mom and dad didn't do for you. What's the matter with you? You cried. You know the whole song. Mm. Okay, thank you. I said, you don't understand me because you're not an alpha hippie. Mm. And I said, whoa, what a fun name. So I look online. I go, man, there's got to be a shirt that says alpha hippie. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to wear it. No shirts. No big deal. I draw my own logo. I go on Fiverr. I find uh, Frank in uh, Iran. He puts it in a like you know regular format for me. I throw him his Fiverr, and uh, I print out a hundred shirts, bro. Because why would I print out one? I obviously had to deal with uh, a printer because of the gym, so I print out a hundred, and I just start sharing these shirts with people that I was meeting in retreats and masterminds and I was giving them all away it wasn't about commerce it was for fun and they would send me pictures or post pictures on Instagram so I'd make a little page and they would write with an alphabet B was and it was so fun and then I wanted to continue my growth 
without necessarily having to travel and also meet more like-minded people because in my area, as far as geography wise, I didn't feel geographically I had access to people like Encinitas or in the Southern California place where you could trip over someone that was woke. And back where I was, everyone was just broke. You know what I mean? And so I, I wanted to continue growing it. And so we started the podcast in about 2018. And then I started really digging deeper into my evolution as a coach. And what now, you know, when I was, when I lost a hundred pounds, I really wanted to help people find freedom through fitness right? Because that was how I found it. And then I started beginning down more of a self-actualization journey, like I said, without Vipi. And then I was very inspired to help men go down a similar path that I did, very similar to what CrossFit was. And so I started a small program called Masculine Mastery while I had the gym. And this was all just real passion projects for me, mm -hmm. right? And by that time, the gym was doing its thing and, and all these other opportunities were, were there. And I was riding that cross their identity. 2019, September 1st, Cody, I'm laying down for a yoga class and I realized that Alpha Hippie is where I'm ready to move towards all the way and the cross that identity is no longer here to serve me. Two days later, my son is born. I have a year and a half old son and I did a lot of reflecting about what kind of father was I was going to be, what kind of father I had, and what is the goal of the father. And I'm not sure about this for all fathers, yet this is my father's goal for me, and it's my truth, is I really believe that men are in charge of teaching their children how to live a bold life, bold and inspiring and although my father's methods uh, were not what most people would choose, the lessons were learned. And at the end of the day, I did all the inner work to let go of the method so I could just appreciate the lessons. And so I really realized that moving into this crossed identity was not only something that inspired me, it was also my duty as a father because this boy is going to learn by what he sees, mm. not what he hears from me, right? Men learn by modeling and teach by modeling. And so I talked to my wife and we realized that we were ready to do this. This was 2019, this is pre all COVIDness. Mm -hmm. And then a month later we realized that we could move and when Alpha Hippie was not geographically set right? This was able to move. And I said, well, one, I want to partner with Marcus. And two, I want to live in Southern, in Southern California in San Clemente. And I said, are you behind this? And my wife is very trusting of me due to our years together. And my consistent actions of integrity have helped, you know, I'm not going to lie, like I show up. And so she goes, yeah, let's do it. And then lo and behold, we, we set this plans up that we were going to sell the gym and do all this. We told our family about it on Christmas and uh, March came. You know, we, we I had an idea that we were going to move out to Southern California in the summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, I'm the person that sets the date or books the tickets and then makes up the plan. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really believe if you want the gods to shine for you, show them you mean business and they'll give you the plan. Mm. And we could talk about that too, if you'd like. But anyways, I set the date. I told my friends and my family that 4th of July, 2020, I was going to have a beautiful party at my house and I couldn't wait for them to be there. Thank many. I told them that in February. Lo and behold, we get locked down Julie Brown all over this country and world in March. And the plans played on, bro. And uh, the day after Memorial Day, my family and I packed up. We did, I did Memorial Day Nerf 2020 with my son as my vest, bro. <laughs> and don't worry, I didn't go all the way down on the push-ups, everyone. I didn't smash. <laughs> I didn't smash an eight-month-old's face 200 times to do a push-up into the floor. <laughs> I, I, I did the, you know, the push-ups off the bench. Sorry, guys, I scaled them. I'm a real bad guy. Anyways, we did Murph. The next day, I packed up my family. We did a 13-day road trip. I called it the Cisco Expedition all across this beautiful country of ours. Ended in San Clemente, June 7th. And sure as shit, Cody Ringo, we had our party on 4th of July, buddy. Nice. And I've uh, been here ever since, focusing on Alpha Hippie. And Alpha Hippie's main mission is to help men stop playing small. And really, what I like to tell people is I teach men how to go pro. I like that. Yeah. And, uh, that reminds me of a of a similar uh, kind of mission statement of another company called Active Life. So yes, Act yes. Yeah. Sean's my homeboy. Yeah, we're... Uh, our gyms are uh, part of the pro path. So we oh, were in the first cohort. Yeah, turning dude. pro, that's the whole thing. Awesome. One, of, one of the things that you brought up early in that was making the transition, right? Out of the, uh, the gym owner role, moving to SoulCal, chasing the dream um, of starting or really building this company, right? Alpha Hippie. Um, yes, sir. Going through your guys' website, I noticed something uh, that stuck out to me. One of the very first things was helps men answer their call to greatness. Yes. Now, I see this a lot in this air quotes professional coaching space, right? Yes. Where the, the people who want to be professional coaches are essentially made out of paper mache. They're full of shit. Right? They're not living the thing that they're telling people, here's what you should do. And you can learn about them and you realize very quickly that what they're saying is out of alignment with what they're telling people to do. And you're right there. Everything that you set up to this point is a beautiful example of you living the thing and doing the things that you tell other people they should be doing. Yes. Uh, for sure. Thank you for seeing that, by the way. I take a lot of pride in that, brother. I love that. Um, when you're coming from that, thinking about coming from that place of what I like to call authenticity, right? How, how do people start to take the steps to get there? Because I know a lot of people with a lot of big dreams. So Coldwater is where we're located. Coldwater, Michigan is a small town. 
Small yeah. town is 12,000 people, median household income of about 35,000. A lot of people who never got out. Sure. They got big dreams. They're like, hey, I want to go do this thing, but oh, there's all of these obstacles. COVID was another obstacle. For you, it could have been an obstacle that said, ah, fuck, well, I guess it's just not meant to be for me right now. Very easily. And instead, you're like, nope, we put this out there. We're doing it regardless. Yes. Speaking specifically towards, you know, everybody, you know, in the fitness space, but it, more specifically towards men in the space. How can someone start to take, take a step towards living that authentic life that this is what I want to do with my life, but I'm not sure how to get there? Absolutely. It is always binary language acknowledge and accepted been important for me to do what I say I was gonna do. For me as a man, even as a person, you will make mistakes. We all will make mistakes. We will all do things to hurt other people's feelings. Yet, isn't it great knowing that you could just trust yourself and someone could trust you? Like at the end of the day, knowing that about yourself or someone knowing that about you, to me is such a paramount thing because when you do what you say you're gonna do, you trust yourself. Mm. And when you trust yourself, you show up in a certain way. And that to me, Trusting yourself is the money, the currency of self-esteem. Mm. And so if there's anything out there, whatever you say you're going to do, show up that way or, or don't speak. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it like that, that rudely, but it's so important for you, for, for our self-esteem as people and for also for other people in your life. You know, I don't know, I'm from a, you know, if people can't imagine, like I said, I'm from Chicago. My father was in prison for 11 years. I learned more of the street life than school life. And don't get me wrong. I did well in school and all that stuff. And yet, the street life was very pressed upon me by my father and my other mentors. And your integrity on the street is more important than anything else. Because if people think that you're a wangster, it's the worst thing that you could be. Because it will carry with you for eternity. And there is so much of that lacking in our society is self-accountability. Just what happened? If you say that you're going to do this, do it. And if not, just realize you are creating a story or in creating a movie where all you're doing is not showing up the way accordingly you're showing up. So first of all, like I said, you won't trust yourself. People around you definitely won't trust you. And so all of a sudden, this idea of trust, which is the foundation of self-esteem, and if you really want to talk about it, the foundation of love, mm. right? My wife loves me 
because she could trust me and I love her because I could trust her. Like if, um, you know how there's like pyramids, mm -hmm. the foundation of love or any good relationship is trust. You, you want to trust, you want to love yourself more, trust yourself more, mm. right? The removal of that doubt. And so this idea of continually finding ways to trust yourself, and it could be really small at first, bro. It, and that's the thing too, I see a lot of people do is, is they overcommit to such big ideals. Trust could be as little as, I'm going to do this at this time and no matter what happens, do it. And it could be as small as brushing your teeth. It could be at, you know, every hour on the hour, I'm gonna do one squat and you just do it, right? And it's all about creating the mechanism, a relationship with a mechanism, very small at first, because then you could build upon that mechanism and then you know whatever you say you're going to do, you are a pro, you're going to do it. You are pro, you're going to do it. You are pro, you're going to do it. And that helps us get past a lot of our short-term emotional discomforts. Not that I'm saying that we should put those to bed and not give them their just due or if you're not, you know, your, your energy towards things and not you know, giving yourself nurturing energy and just after your feelings. No, I want you to acknowledge your feelings and still show up like a pro, right? We're not saying, no, I don't, there's not days when I want to sit in bed a little bit longer. We don't deny that, right? There's not days when I'm about to film a podcast that I don't feel like I'm going to show up as a pro. So I spend all morning doing whatever kind of nurturing energy that I need so I could show up as a pro. Like, uh, for instance, the other day I was, I woke up, uh, I have a one and a half year old, he's growing molars, all that good stuff. I had some people over for dinner. I didn't sleep that well. And then I woke up in the morning and the first thing the voice told me was how crappy the day was going to be. And then I wrote down two things that I could do to show myself that I love myself and that story's untrue. Mm. So I took a walk for about an hour and then I played a bunch of music that helped me feel like I was a star again. And then lo and behold, all that emotion was gone because I moved it out of me and replaced it with the new frequency. That's a, that's such an elegantly simple mechanism that I don't, I imagine most people would look at a problem like that and overcomplicate it. They'd look at it yeah. and say, oh, well, I'm going to have to do this, 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 this to overcome this feeling. Yeah. When all you really, what, well, what it sounds like you really did was you provided yourself a little bit of space and asked, how can I reframe this? What needs to be true for this to happen? And it was two little things. Little in the grand scheme of the universe, right? Yeah. If we're, if we're looking at that, I imagine it took time to get there right? To yes. get to where that was a quick and easy transition, or at least to be able to notice that, right? Totally. 
a lot of us, which goes in very much in alignment with that identity shift. Yeah. And I got, I got the chance before this to listen to your, uh, to listen to the first half of your, uh, your recent podcast, um, on best hour of their day. And one of the great, thank you. Yeah, man. One of the things I heard you say on there was you smoked the CrossFit identity down to the filter. Yes. One of the things that I've always loved with, I, I love where you get little pieces of inspiration from, right? You pick up these quotes and I heard this in a, uh, I heard this in the trailer of a movie and the quote was, what do you do when you realize that you've built yourself up with the wrong things? You tear it down and you start over. Yeah, brother. What movie is that? I have no idea. That's how it was just such a good quote. Gave me gave me the chills. That's why I wanted to send them the three ninety nine. I'd rent the movie and not even talk to them. I just you deserve it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That shift, right? That awareness that okay, I'm at the end of this road. It's time for me to start to start to travel down a different path. It takes, it takes courage to identify that I'm here for me to take the next level, go to the next thing. I'm going to need to make a pivot. What I imagine most people do, and I'd like to talk with you about this. Um, so to the men's program, I created actually a 12 week men's course for our, um, for people in my area, more specifically, right? Launched it last year. It's called Valor. And thank you. Well, the, the precipice of this was I kind of identified that there are three phases to life for men. Most typically that I see the first phase maybe makes up the first quarter of their life. And this is where we're living into the vision that someone else has for who we should be. Yes. We play sports in high school uh, because your older brother did it or your dad wants you to do it, whatever it is. You go to college and you start studying this thing that your parents tell you is this is what you should go to school for, or your teachers tell you this is where you should be putting your effort and energy. You make all of these decisions that weren't really yours. Yes. Then we get somewhere 20 to 30. And we're at this, this crossroads, I would imagine. And what most men do at this point in time is they make the decision to start spending the rest, the next quarter of their life, convincing themselves that what they've created so far is actually what they want. Yes. We continue to make these decisions that we don't love, but we're trying to sell ourselves a story. And then one day, somewhere in our 40s to 50s, we get really hit with this thing, this realization that I've spent the first half of my life creating a life that wasn't really mine. And we make one of two decisions. We either implode, and men do this by buying the car that they can't afford, stepping out on their wife, dropping a nuke on their family, Growing that ponytail with that life <laughs> crisis. Yeah. yeah, bro, I'm with you. Or their eyes glaze over and you see them just, they spend the next 20 years just waiting to die. Already dead. Yes. And to come full circle to how we got here, right? 
to snap yourself out of that, it's easier to stop yourself early on, right? If you can catch this in that first quarter and be like, ah, shit, I don't really want to do this thing. This isn't really my dream. Yeah. You can make a different decision then. Most people though, most men I notice, sell themselves the story that they've already done too much work. It's too late for me to make the change. Yeah. You have not had that problem. You found, all right, I've gone as far as I can on this thing. Now let's go explore the next thing because there's fulfillment, there's love, there's what I want, there's who I want to be on the other side of that. Yes. That requires a level of self-awareness that you had mentioned you didn't always have. I know the book was one of the first steps you identified, right, with Emotional Intelligence 2.0. What happened next? In my journey? Yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. Okay, so... Uh... Emotional Intelligence 2.0, I'm a deep researcher. I start reading a lot of books and, and doing a lot of research. Yet one of the biggest, most pivotal things that I ever did, bro, is I uh, was a, uh, got to be fortunate enough to be a part of the Barbell Shrug Mastermind when they first did. And that was the first real investment that I ever did on myself, or I really bet on myself. And, and what I mean by that was, you filled out an application to go. And then if you were accepted, they sent you the information plus an invoice for $5,000 just to show up to the first event. And in January of 2016, Five grand was a lot of money for me to go to an event like that. It really was, you know, especially when we didn't get a sheet of paper, you know? <laughs> and so I went and I met some amazing people, some of the most amazing, most inspiring people of my life. And people that showed me so many things, showed me that I was already great at what I did that there was room for improvement and I could also grow as a man and still achieve a lot of the business things that are all of the business ideals that I had. I had this brain growing up that if I was a woke person and kind, that I would not make it in the business life. Obviously with a father in prison and all that stuff, I grew up with this very scarce, scarcity i'm gonna take it from you before excuse me take it for me mentality and i was never around men that were were loose enough to have fun while they did it mm. so i really believe that i had to put all that to bed and these guys helped me see it different so i went to that first retreat came home and then they said you could join for a year for twenty thousand more Okay. Now keep in mind, I don't even know if I had the full five. I think I already put a bunch of it on my credit card, charge card. Thank God for American Express. Okay. Anyway, uh, I said, you know what? I could do this. And I 
that day, the day after whatever I got home, they sent that to me and I, I put it all up. And I knew, I told my friend Dom this, I said, my friend Dom at the time was like, it still is my one of my best, my best friend, and he he's an entrepreneur, and it was early in his entrepreneur game too. And to invest twenty five thousand in a year thing and for yourself and doing all that, I mean, hell, it's still a lot of money now. I'm saying this like it's nineteen twenty six. It's still a good amount of money now, and. Uh, I have a very high risk tolerance and I believed in myself after that point. I said, oh my goodness, I got this. And so I put that all that money into there and uh, find gentlemen like Mike Bledsoe and a lot of the uh, the, the team at Life Aid, especially shout out to Aaron and Orion. Marcus Gersey was a part of that group. Um, D, Cashew of WAG was a part of that early group. I mean, these people just inspired me on such big levels that I was like, oh, it's a pittance of the money. It's going to be a joke. I remember telling my buddy Dom that. And lo and behold, I would show up. Uh, they Everyone would take such a liking to me. The retreats wouldn't start to Monday, but I'd fly out on Thursdays and I would go and just spend more time with these people, learn from them, meet other healers and do a lot of different work. And that's just, 2016 was the year I really dove into self-actualization, just all by myself, just flying out to California for two, three days at a time and just doing all these things, extra retreats and, and all anything I could put my hands on because anytime I met someone that I felt inspired that they could lead me to somewhere that I couldn't see, uh, which a lot of it had to do with my my childhood and uh, see there's creating space and there's also the idea of giving yourself grace. And for me, that's where I learned that. Grace to me is loving acceptance. It took me a long time to still wrap my head around it. It's probably the most challenging part of my life is to, and I'm still working towards getting better. I said, lovingly accepting myself so I'm not judging and rude to anyone else. Mm. It's the most difficult thing for me to do, brother, because my inner critic from being in such a harsh, traumatic childhood was so loud and so strong and so potent that I was never able to just love myself fully and give myself grace for being a human being. I just shamed myself every time that I wasn't this heroic person. Mm. And through, through all of that really catapulted a lot of things. 2017 was the year I courted my wife I got married that year, 2018, we spent the world traveling uh, around, you know, traveled around the world and had an amazing time. And then 2019, I, I made a child with my wife and 2020, you know, the story got us to SoCal and 2021 is where I started painting into glory. And uh, for me, what I really learned from one of my mentors, and this will go back to something that you mentioned before, Aaron Hine and I talk a lot about 10-year identities. Or after a decade, it's good to sit down and do an evaluation. It's 
especially around year six or seven, is are you in a trajectory of an identity that you are really enjoying or are your eyes already looking other directions with passions or hobbies or other things? And that's more than likely what you're going to step into this next decade. If you're in the same place, great. Just make sure there's a new trajectory that you're going to in the same industry or same thing. Because if not, you're going to end up in complacency, the glazing over eyes. And that's something that I realized is going into 2030 or 2020, I no longer wish to 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 wear the CrossFit identity in 2030, and I knew that. Mm. And so now what I'm doing is positioning the 2030 Angelo. So first, where does 2030 Angelo want to live? Not in Chicago. Sorry, Winters. Beat it, <laughs> right? And yeah. so now I live, I live three quarters of a mile from the ocean. Check. Know where I'm living. Got it. Got it down. Then, you know, working on developing my mission, which is helping of the men and really stewarding my part of what I believe is the mindful renaissance. This is the decade of the mindful renaissance. That's what I'm, I really gave a title to this next decade and I'm going to do my part. And, uh, and so now it's all about stepping into this door identity. Man, I love the idea of the 10 year identity right is giving yourself permission to every as every cycle of life to just be like is this who i still am i still the same person that i believed i was 10 years ago yes man i look back i'm only i'm 31 right so i look back at something like college and it feels like a lifetime ago for sure even back when we started doing you know air quotes, CrossFit, right? Seemed like a lifetime ago. My, my journey in the beginning was a lot like everybody who got involved in 2013, 2014. You know, I did the first open and I was convinced I was going to regionals the next year. Totally. I was 1500 in the region year one. And I was convinced in year two, this was going to be my year. And yeah. <laughs> great, bro. No, it's great. I dig it. But it was, it, we all became zealots around that time. Right. And it was the it was the the mission was to move forward the brand and to get everybody to do the things that we thought were the most important, which were competitions, lifting heavy. You know, we said it was CrossFit for life, but it was really CrossFit as a sport for a lot of people. Totally. And we've recently undergone as a facility that shift in identity. We, we disaffiliated, we deaffiliated this last year through the whole COVID pandemic and just time and space to realize that, you know what, the values that we hold don't align with this thing any longer. Yes. So I, I deeply understand and I, I love the, the willingness to shift and create something better. You, you had mentioned making that initial investment in yourself. And one of the things that stood out for me was they started with this recognition of these are the things you're already great at doing. Do you think that's an important piece for people? Huge. The idea, we live in a self-deprecating society. 
And the idea of celebrating and recognizing yourself is probably the most underdone thing that people do. And no wonder people are not happy, lack motivation and or follow through because they only celebrate the grand slams. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but look up how often someone actually hits a grand slam in baseball or a no hitter. Of course, you're not going to ever feel like a winner. But if you celebrate every day that you took a swing, that already enough will allow you the chance to get to the Grand Slams. I was telling someone this the other day in a training analogy. You have someone, they do 100 sessions. 10 sessions, they're absolute crap. You suck. You hate it from start to finish. The other 10%, you're Hercules. You're writing down everything you did for the last week because you want to do it exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> then there's 80 sessions that you're okay. Good effort. Feeling good. Nothing's outstanding. Nothing's terrible, though. The most important part is that you do the 100 sessions. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and, and what we don't do is that we don't pat ourselves on the back for doing the hundred sessions. We only pat ourselves on the back gently for the 10. But then when we have the bottom 10, we don't recognize the 80. And then when we do with the bottom 10 is we self deprecate even more and hate ourselves even more. So if you pat yourself one time on the back for the big positive 10, you shoot yourself down 25 times for every one of those bottom 10. And then we wonder why we lose motivation, and get to the hundred. That's an right, important bro? right there, right? It's the just taking the step today is a win. Just sure. showing up, right? Sure. If we're thinking about training, we know this looking empirically at you know, the data from the gym. It's the people who show up most consistently who see the results long-term that they want to. They're not getting, they're not PRing every day. They're not, you know, some days, uh, it was it John Wellborn talks about it, right? Every day you got to move the dirt. Some days you get a shovel and some days you get a spoon. But the most yeah. important thing is that you move the dirt. Yes, sir. I was able to catch a few of your, uh, of your, of your recent podcasts and, I think that ties really neatly into you had mentioned an abusive exercise routine recently. So we actually, we call this TED toxic exercise dependency. Yes. And I want, I, I would like to hear your take on this a little bit, why people get involved in this sort of cyclical approach to beating themselves up, killing themselves. I have to, I have to hurt for it to be effective. Yes and how we can start to create a better path, maybe more sustainable, something out of that. Absolutely. So the, the paramount thing that I was talking about in that show, and I believe is when we look at exercise strictly through an aesthetic uh, relationship, like you're working out to look a certain way, you are already allowing it to be abusive, in my opinion. Because it's, for me, 
I believe that it's not even an exercise, it's a movement practice. Mm-hmm. I don't even call it a routine because routines result in good boys or bad boys. Ooh. I don't even, it's a movement practice. You are practicing being a human. And that's what you, what else is there to, re, like, if you don't have a sports-specific identity or idea or, or goal, you should be training to be the most fluid, functional human that you could possibly be. And I am willing to bet if you look at that and then also look at, okay, well, what would I need to eat? Or how much would I need to sleep? All the other lifestyle factors to be the best human I could be. Your whole paradigm will shift and you will reach every goal that you want. Yet if you look every day and you didn't eat enough carbs or on Tuesday you had two donuts, so tomorrow morning you got to do an extra 20 minutes on the assault bike. It's all just abuse. It's no different. Then if you're in, if you guys have ever seen one of those movies where uh, it's like a, like a pimp, like if the girl didn't bring enough money, he beats her. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow she brings enough money, so she remembers to bring home enough money. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, nervous system wise, like strip strip away that what I just said. And most people, if anyone rejects that. It's because you are not honest with yourself. It's the same thing. Oh, I had three slices of pizza. So now my daddy's going to pimp slap me. And I'm going to go on the rower tomorrow. And I'm going to get pimp slapped. Because I didn't bring home enough for uh, one of the... What's the pimp's name from Chicago? I don't even know. Don Juan. That was... Because <laughs> I didn't bring enough home for Don Juan, right? And so it's just like... When you're looking at these things, the names that you call them, what you're training for, how you're relating to them, it, it really creates an identity or an abusive relationship with just your body. And what I really like to tell people, it's, I still don't fully believe in it, but if I had to pick one thing, it's the only thing you ever own, really ever own in this life. So why not have a good relationship with it? Mm. It's the only thing you really ever have, right? Especially if you disagree with me, 2020 probably showed you, got you on my side of this argument. Yeah. What else did you have? You had your body. Right? Most people didn't have control of their work, school. All of it's not, even where you live, right? You would curfew all of these things, but what you have was your body. Why do you think so many people got caught up in the, in the CrossFit identity? And when I say CrossFit identity, I mean the, I need to be doing workouts RX every day should be heavy. I need to do these things because it's on the whiteboard, even though my shoulder bothers me today, but I'm going to snatch and do pull-ups or I'm going to do Fran anyway. And I'm going to do that day over day over day. I noticed a lot of people just, they identify as a CrossFitter. So that dictated how they showed up in the gym. Like active recovery days was a 10K row. Yes. Right? Why do you think so many people 
gravitated towards that. Back to what I said, this deprecating society that we live in. We have a... Uh, it's very difficult for adults to be nurturing to themselves. Mm. Most of, you know, if you really want to look at what, you know, self-care is, is people learning how to actually nurture themselves and not just beat themselves up all the time to connect to their bodies instead of rebel from what they're really feeling and what they what will be really best. Because, I mean, I did it for years. I mean, you know how many better days would have been spent for me if I trained three or four days a week stretched for an hour, two days a week and took walks the other days that I felt like I needed to move my body. I would imagine I would have looked better, felt better, performed better than I would have in my entire life. Yet, what would that walking, what would I tell myself the entire time I was walking? That I was weak, that I was the P word, that I wasn't enough that if someone found out this about me, ooh, that, that's the real one. I'd be, I wouldn't be strong enough. All of these factors that really are running through our brains at all times, you know, the, the fear of judgment, the fear of not being enough. You know, a lot of these, these drivers that people are, you know, really... I hate to say it again, but just driving our behaviors. We're not aware of what the drivers actually are because a lot of times the person driving the car is the seven-year-old. And the seven-year-old doesn't have awareness, doesn't have reason. The seven-year-old is a seven-year-old driving the car, bro. My son is a year and a half. I don't have reason. You know how I know? He'll eat dirt, piss, shit, whatever you put, whatever's in front of him. Okay? Puts anything you can. And so this this idea of not allowing objective reasoning because of fear, fear of not being enough or what people may think of us is really the cause of this overtraining, overstimulation, like you said, and also, too, this non-appreciation of being in a parasympathetic nervous system state because it's looked at as weak. How many times have you heard people say that, hey, how are you today? I'm tired. Like, that's negative. It's as natural as being energetic. Why is that? Why is energetic good? And why is tired bad? If a lion wakes up and he's tired, he rolls over and goes right back to bed, doesn't think he's anything. Yeah. Because he knows that he's a lion. He doesn't have to think anything else. And so much of us are thinking that we're not the lions or whoever we are. We think we're something else. And then that blocks and creates an identity, which creates an outcome that we don't choose the best thing for it. That, that all really hits there. I remember, you know, pre-pandemic, it was January of 2020, and the gym was full, 
we were hosting a class and we had a couple of people in, you know, doing their own thing, doing their own workout. And they were doing things that I knew for those two individuals was not a great idea. One was dealing with back pain. One was just a chronic overtrainer. And I have had, I had had up to that point, multiple conversations with them about, Hey, how was your sleep? How are you eating? You drinking enough water? And it was easy for them at that point in time to come in here and smash themselves doing deadlifts, burpees, wall balls. And so difficult. It was always, oh, I just, I can't get enough sleep. Oh, I have this, 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 this. Oh, it's just really hard for me to, to meal prep. This became the easy thing to do, right? Because it was, there was that, that dopamine release. There was that physical, like, ah, at the end of it. Yes. Just because it's the easier thing to do doesn't mean that it's not stress. I always tell exercise is the most intentional form of stress you'll ever put on the system. Mm -hmm. We're not taking into account what was your day like? What was your food like? How much sleep did you get? And I love the the tired thing, right? It made me think, uh, I just had a conversation with my business partner the other day. You know, when people come up and they say, hey man, you look tired. What they really mean is you look like shit. Yeah. I love that it's okay to be tired. I don't think I've ever given myself that permission. Yeah. That's when, I, when I'm tired, I don't want more coffee. I'm just tired. It's if it's God damn, if it's cloudy outside and cold, you're gonna be more tired. This nature affects us. Let's call it what it is. Mm. Right? Like so many factors. Other than just, okay, my sleep quality. When it's cloudy and rainy out, you are naturally not there, right? Now think about this. We're in uh, the African uh, Serengeti. We're in the jungle. If it's pouring rain, animals aren't active either. Mm. Everyone takes the day off, right? Like there is no, hey, guys. It's not our day. Hey, screw it. Nature, nature called it for us. We're out. And no one's mad about it, right? The, 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 everyone just gets it. And for some, some reason, as humans, we're such a beautiful, um, we've, we've created such amazing technologies. And our brains have allowed us to have such big egos to try to, try to help us believe that we can outdo what nature has already intended for us and it's already perfect. And and there's a reason why despite any technologies, our internal technology has not evolved at all, right? Everything's an external technology. So if you would have told me, oh, our brains had more compact, no, we're basically the same, right? We're running, we're running iOS one on the inside and we're trying to use, I don't know, there was just a new update the other day. What was it, 14? I don't even know the numbers, guys. I don't know. I, I'm the person that updates their phone like six months after the update comes out. And one of the tech guys that works here at Alpha, he's like, oh, no wonder you can't take a picture, bro. You don't, you're two updates behind. I'm like, oh, thanks, Brandon. Just do what mm-hmm. you got to do. Let me live my life. But anyways, the whole thing is, is that we're running on a 
certain iOS system internally, and we're trying to change it so much where we must work with it and, and become it instead of trying to manipulate it. Do you think a piece of, of those things, so circling back to the, uh, the trying to look a certain way and uh, like I'm tired and I shouldn't feel tired, those, do you imagine those are in part, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses, the road to hell motivators, the, well, I don't want them to think this way about me. So I'm doing this with what you're really doing. You're doing it for them. You're not really doing it for yourself. Totally. Your body's telling you for yourself would mean that you would skip the gym today and you'd go take a nap or you go, you know, get a massage or you would really do if you were honoring what your body really wanted, you would honor whatever it was feeling, right? So thinking is in your brain, feelings in your body. You feel emotions and you feel your body, right? Emotions are all in the body, all that good stuff. If we honored our feelings, didn't judge them, didn't try to manipulate them, just honored them and didn't disagree with them, accepted them. We would all actually get more of what we wanted out of life. It's actually the defiance of what we're feeling back to even what you said, the, the 40 year old, right? He's feeling he's doing the wrong thing, but his brain keeps telling him to defy it, right? And that's the thing is the heart inspires the brain conspires and the you-know-whats make the fire, okay? And anytime that's out of alignment, you will forget what inspires you or you will blow out and do things too quickly and wind up hurting yourself or working against you because there's no inspiration, there's no plan, and there's just all action. And then you'll wind up having to go back to square one anyway. And the more that we could feel our feelings, feel our bodies, and then use our brain or whatever to actually figure out how we could honor and not avoid what our bodies are telling us, the better we're all going to be. And then you take action. But when the mechanism's turned off or not running in that order, no matter who you are, you're going you're to get slown up some way somehow but angela that sounds kind of hard it sounds hard to do it's only hard if you call it hard there you go i like that right i mean it, it's difficult at first because a lot of people have been trained out of living life this way mm. and that's okay and that's why there are um, people like yourself and i to help people reconnect, right? The What I love to tell people, and I'm sure that you see yourself this way, we're not fixers, we're liberators, right? People aren't broken, They're right? They don't need a daddy. They don't need more dependency. They need more freedom. Right. Freedom to have a relationship with their body, freedom to be connected to their soul, freedom to be connected to nature, freedom to just be a human being. 
instead of a human doing. The, the, the point that you made that this is trained, it's a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. That's important. When people you know, get into health, wellness, fitness, they're looking to reform most of the time. They're looking to change something about themselves that they feel is less than optimal. And what they often try to do is implement all of these new things. Yes. Rather than being like, okay, it took me 30 years, 40 years, 20 years to get to where I'm at right now. And I've learned all of these habits, these behaviors. It's reasonable to think it's going to take me a period of time to learn something new or to train something new. Right? If you're thinking, if you're thinking about the, the self-development realm, that shift in identity takes first the awareness that I want to change something. And then the understanding that this, this shift's going to take some time. And I imagine what most people do is they're like, well, I mean, it's just kind of the, the sign of the times right now, right? We want it now. Mm-hmm. I want to be there. I want to have already lost the weight. I already want to be, I want to be woke. I want to be enlightened. I want to be the person that I believe I can be, but I want to be it right now. Yeah. You had mentioned, you know, structured discipline and consistency in another episode, right? And one of the things I stuck to on there was the value of saying no. And I love the idea of no gives you permission to say yes to life. It gives you permission to actually say yes to the most important things. When people are trying to build in this structure, um, create discipline and consistency for themselves, you know, working with, I don't know how many men you've worked with up to this point, but what do you probably, I'm, I'm imagining quite a few. Yes. What do you notice is maybe a sector or area that is most difficult for them to say no in? So you see, uh, in my understanding, saying no is a two-part thing, two-part system. First, we must look at someone's self-esteem. Are you a people pleaser? Right? Do you say yes because you are afraid to tell someone no because what they may think of you? So there's a self-esteem component. And then there actually is, after that, a skill component. So your ability to say no without being rude or feeling like you need to over-explain yourself. There's a a skill, so there's an emotional self-esteem component and a confident component, which confidence to me is a skill. So there's first, can I accept saying no? And also too, tied into that, is saying no is quite easier when you're actually doing something that inspires you, not motivates you, and that you're actually doing for yourself and not for others. Let's just start there. If saying no is already a hurdle, you probably don't have something that's really, really inspiring to you. And that's something you may have to take a look at. Then number two is, okay, do I have a hard time saying no because of people pleasing or whatever I'm wrapped, or if I'm wrapped up in a martyr identity? And then do I have the skill 
of actually being able to communicate it, whether that's written or verbal, where I can say no politely with a proper boundary and give people patience and grace while we're working to create a new identity via a new boundary. Which is like a whole nother level of Jedi shit. This isn't a, oh, no, hell no, gotcha. No, I mean, there's so many layers to this. And everyone that I've met, they fall under those sectors, but the symptoms could be a little bit different depending on how that relationship all began and, and all that stuff. And that's where I spend, you know, a vast amount of time back to that structure, discipline, and consistency. When we get to that part with men, it's all right, saying no. You know what? Let's uncover this. Are you a people pleaser? Are you afraid of people not liking you? Is this really an inspiring goal for you? Does this really get you out of bed? Or are you telling yourself that? And or are you doing it for other people? The best thing that I love to tell people is you do what you believe, not what you think. Right? So anytime, you know, someone's thinking that they're going to do something, no way. It's wherever you really believe. The value proposition. Yeah. And so it's a, there's so much under that ability to say no, that people really don't understand. Or we, we all, you know, it took me years to really understand. And then that's only the starting line, bro. Cause now you got to do all the work. Like I just said, you have to do some identity work. You have to learn development, the skill of saying no. For a lot of men, the communication skills are quite poor. Not that the women's are just off the charts better, yet women are usually better emoters of, of, or communicators than men. It's just part of our society and culture. Feminine energy is more thoughts and words based. And masculine energy is more action and uh, advancement based. It's just the flow of energetic fields. And most men are at a masculine energy dominant and most women are feminine energy dominant. It's just the game. Some are vice versa. Totally love everyone that's both. And there's nothing wrong with being on any side. It's just understanding which side are you on because what a lot of the feminine energy lack is the consistency. Is when it's time to do the action. They may set the schedule. They may tell all their friends that not to talk to them at 10. But then comes that winter morning in Chicago and there's 12 feet of snow and then all of a sudden or 12 inches of snow and then you don't go to the gym. And then the next day you don't go to the gym. And then meanwhile, all that talk was for nothing anyway. How do you... How do you spur that energy to action? Can you? Does it have to be something more intrinsically motivated? Great. There is. There's a way to shift your energy uh, into action. There really is. Uh, the formula to do that is really like this. Is Let's just say you're down on the dumps. You're down in the dumps and you are not... <sighs> You're sad, you're lonely, you're depressed. You're not showing up the way that you really would want to in this life, put it that way. What I would, or would the, the true definition of that is toxic femininity. 
depression is a toxic feminine energy. Okay, you are inward. Feminine is inward and you're working against yourself. Now, if I'm here and I want to go to action, the first thing I need to do is give myself grace, which is loving acceptance. You need to go, okay, we're here. And I lovingly accept myself that I'm here. I'm not denying it. I'm not mad at myself anymore. Great. Check the box. I lovingly accept myself for having a two-week Netflix bender and eating every cupcake in the house that and every DoorDash account that I maxed out. Whatever. Okay. Then from there, grace needs to flow into gratitude, which is still a feminine energy quality. You are lovingly thankful now. You don't just accept that you did that to yourself for two weeks. You're grateful that you did because without you going that deep, you would have never actually realized that you had a problem. Hmm. And depending on, for some people, deep is deeper and the deepest, okay? Once you get towards there, you're not quite out of the feminine energy yet. You must affirm yourself in a nurturing fashion. So the best way I could say this is if you ever saw the movie Rocky, you ever watch the training montages? Mm -hmm. Great. What usually happens right before every great training montage? Adrian tells him that she's with him. I'm with you, right? Remember Rocky Four? He shows up. She he shows up at the house, and then what happens, baby? Hearts on fire. Got the beard, <laughs> ripping everything up, right? Doing everything, right? Yeah. Good. That's a perfect example. Then once you get there, you lean on masculine energy support, which is usually in the form of a mentor. Right? When Adrian gets out of a coma from having the baby, she tells Rocky in part two, Rocky, come here, I want to tell you something. And she goes, win. And there's like a big bell. And then Mickey looks at him and goes, what are we waiting for? Take us. And then he goes and trains, right? Win, Rocky, win. It's the whole thing. And he goes with the mentor. After he's with that masculine energy, iron sharpens iron, it's just the way it goes, right? Even females could find a mentor that could bring that to them, that energy shift. Then what does the hero do? Takes action, goes in the ring and wins. So it's grace, gratitude, feminine affirming, affirming of the, the hero. Then you move into masculine energy support which is a mentor like a corner man if you will and then you go and do the thing that you were trained to do hmm. the seeking of a mentor yes right a younger cody ringle would have had difficulty with that piece Right. As a younger man, I'm thinking early 20s. Uh, I, I already know it. Sure. I'm already the smartest guy in the room. There's nothing that anybody's going to be able to tell me. Is, is that 
something that you notice, you know, that's a cycle for most men, or that is, you know, something that um, only happens some of the time we got to get over it. You got to work through that phase to get to the phase where you realize you need some, some guidance, some support. That's the side that the man is stuck in toxic masculinity. Mm. Doesn't know how to accept, doesn't have grace doesn't know how to lovingly accept where they really are and also is comfortable enough asking for help. Mm. Both toxic, if there was anything that was really toxic in masculinity, that is mm. not the actions. It's those things. Like toxic femininity is depression, not asking for help, not truly being open like that. A closed man is a toxic man. Go ahead. Do you think that there are a lot of things that are being mislabeled as toxic masculinity right now? Yeah, anytime a, 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 a someone that's 40 years old and takes advantage of a woman, they're not a toxic man, they're an underdeveloped man. They're a boy in a man's body. See, what's really interesting that people don't give enough credit to is you may grow physically. It will never stop. Your emotional, spiritual, and mental capacity could be stunted at any age, and you would never know it to someone till you saw their actions. Mm. And I guarantee this. If you want someone to be better, so if you want a man to stop raping and pillaging and assaulting and doing things, stop calling him toxic because more shaming is only going to create more of what you don't want. Mm. Why don't we just call Harvey Weinstein what he really is? He's an underdeveloped man. You're talking into that boy psychology versus man psychology. You know it, buddy. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I'm deep into the uh, the king, warrior, magician, lover. Yeah, bro. He just doesn't know that he's a man yet. Mm. There was no rite of passage. No one's ever told him that he was a man. He definitely doesn't tell himself that he's a man because men accept their duty and responsibility. Boys run away from it. Mm. First sign of it. That rite of passage was was something that stuck out for me in that in that book. Yes, sure. Um, I was, you know, just thinking back my journey, uh, single mother, my father was, uh, you know, we saw him every other weekend kind of a thing. Very much a uh, like a hermit, very closed off very, he was a great dude. But he did not he wasn't he wasn't a social animal. Let's sure. put it that way. And I think back on those milestone, you know, those, even those talks, right? Those milestone talks that you think about, all right, this would be valuable information to pass down to my children. Yeah. I don't remember any one of those ever happening. And it, it brings into question, right? Like when you get to that, that 25, that 20, that 21, or in Harvey Weinstein's case, what is he like 60? Yeah. Right. Where along the lines was there an opportunity for that that development? Or where was the ball dropped along the way? 
Does it take Great. recognition? Great question. I've, I've gone back and forth with the timeline of when this is actually supposed to happen for a boy because of just cultural. So back in the day, you know, you did it when you were 13, 14, 15. I'll say this. Culturally, we're much slower developing than we give ourselves credit for. Mm. Like maturity wise. Also too, because we have much more options. We're very spoiled. Back then, you were going to come home and you were going to be a hunter. Done. Your life's written up, right? There's so much more option now, right? You're going to hunt and you're going to take care of the land. This is your life, right? You're going to make sure your family eats and that they have a place to sleep. You're going to love, teach, protect, over with and done. Now the complexity of this modern world really makes the age of when that's supposed to be um, rather difficult. Uh, the most important thing is that a man finds it, in my opinion, and yet he finds it uh, before his he is responsible for other people. That's ideal. So for me, uh, if you're a single dude and you're 36 and you're still running around like a boy, hey, the casualties are minor yet when you when you are in a committed relationship with a with a counterpart that is usually the first step in in really understanding a, a bigger call to duty and so before that happens that's usually a good sign that you should have that in order or you're just gonna screw it up right i've done it and i mentioned majority of people on the podcast are like yep that's me too perfect okay that's why you don't see people getting married at 18 anymore like they did in 1965. Mm. Well, right? you do, but they're divorced by 22. Totally, right? And then you, you, you know, you just go biologically and chronologically with a human after we, we, we usually connect in a committed relationship. The next thing is, is to create life with that person, co-create. Well, then that leaves more duty and more responsibility on both parties. And so definitely having those things in order by then, you know, it's all really uh, uh, an understanding of your duties and responsibilities and what you're claiming responsibility for. Hmm. And the more before actually claiming responsibility other than yourself, it's a good idea to know that you're a man or woman. Hmm in my opinion, right? Because, and that could start as a business. So like for me, my first real committed relationship was over here across it, mm -hmm. right? It's just anytime you're getting into a committed relationship that you are ready to put something other than you, something other than yourself above your choices, mm -hmm. right? Like the, when the issues are not more important than the committed what relationship with your business or yourself. Those are for me the times of those rites of passage, because then you are willing to say no, or you know what really a rite of passage for men is to kill the little boy inside of them. 
That's what they go do. You go kill your little boy. You t- you go kill your innocence. Now the sad part is, depending on your childhood and and possible um, whatever conditions, some people's innocence are taken a lot younger for them. Mm. I lost mine at five. Just the way it goes, bro. Mm. And for most of my years, I resented it. Now at 37, though, I'm so grateful for it because I'm 32 years in practice of duty. Mm. It's quite easy for me to have a family and sleep with the decisions that I must make to have a family. Where others, if they did not have a call to duty and responsibility at such a young age, that it could be difficult to accept them because they've, they've had so many years out of them. So it's a really a coin toss as far as like when, because also too, I didn't realize that for many years, bro. I hated the part of myself that I was never allowed an innocence. My childlike wonder was taken away from me quite early. Mm. And so it's a, it's a toss up yet I would say this day and age, as long as you find it before committed responsibilities put on yourself or you take one, that's when you really hope to get it by. Well, I notice in that, in that, and thank you for sharing that. I notice in that there is the acceptance of not responsibility, but the fact that I am who I am now because of all of these things that have happened before rather than, Oh, woe is me too bad. So sad for me. This happened to me and pretending like, you know, the, some chips or some cosmic play is working against you, right? The victim mentality. Yes. Versus, you know, the more mature identity and stepping into, okay, yes, this happened less than optimal that it happened when it did, and it allowed me to become who I am today. Gratitude. It's huge. You had touched on something um, about a martyr identity, right? This is definitely an energy that I see a lot of men stepping into, right? You'll hear them when they come into the gym. Oh, well, I wish I could do something like this, but I've got to do dot, dot, dot. And they put these things, what I imagine it creates is it creates a, like a relationship between their wife, their kids, their job, where there is animosity towards Mm -hmm. these things. Because now you don't get to be the person that you want to be because your wife, your kids, your job is holding you back. Yes. And the story is that it's all for a noble cause. Yes. If we're looking at that martyr identity, right? And I think about this with work and it seems like we're in an age where, where work is so easily accessible. A lot of people are working remotely. We're working from home. You know, everything comes to the phone or the laptop and there's no separation of space. How do people start to, or men especially, how do we start to say, okay, falling on the sword right now is not, is no longer going to serve the mission. It's no longer going to serve the family. It's identifying that, yeah, this is, 
I just think like, you know, if you're, well, I wish I could, but I got to do this for my kids. What kind of a relationship are you creating between them, yourself and them? Yeah. It's resentment because now you didn't get to be the person that you wanted to be because of them. Totally. What's the, what's the shift? Is there a, is there a, is there an easy shift? Is there maybe not easy is the right word, maybe simple. Yeah. I would say this. I just did an Instagram, whatever thing. It'll be out soon. I recorded the other day is I call them pressure words or daddy words. Daddy words or pressure words create murders. I have to, I must, I need to, mm. I got to, I got to. If every time you use those, and even the, you know, the simplest way I was telling someone about this on Instagram live the other day, is just watch how you write messages at first. If you say those words, you're creating an identity, a martyr identity, a victim identity, and blaming other things. Like I say, I call it a daddy, right? But you're, you're claiming a pressure that isn't true and you're taking your power away. If it's not a get to or choose to, no wonder you're not excited about it. No wonder you'll be blaming people about it forever, right? And get to is gratitude, choose to is the power of commanding so whatever energy you need to if you need some gratitude to go see your kids say you get to go watch them if you want to feel more embracing more masculine say you choose to go watch your kids i can't do that with you today cody because i choose to go see my children oh wait that's like you know knight in shining armor I choose to run into that burning building. I don't have to. And so for me, it's the simplest way to remove martyrdom is take away those daddy words, pressure words, and replace them with that and choose the one that you need the most for that moment. If you're feeling like it's a hassle, you got to go to get to so you're grateful for it. If you want to actually step into a place of empowerment, and not feeling like you're being forced into something, go choosing, commanding it, and that'll automatically energetically change what you perceive it to be. And then once you energetically shift yourself, just like I gave you that continuum before, you will already have a better lens on it and actually take yourself from martyr to hero. Mm. Damn, that's good. Angelo, I appreciate your willingness to show up and live a bold and inspiring life. Thanks, bro. I've been very fulfilled by our conversation today. Is there, thinking about, you know, a, a surmation of, or is there one thing that you would like to leave people with maybe it's something new and a reiteration of something we've already touched on oftentimes people ask me what can I do to support you and what I love to tell people is take care of yourself 
because the more you take care of you, the better we all are at just the game. And so if there's anything that anyone could do is find incredible mentors like Cody or whoever you vibe with or whatever you need to do to take care of you because that's all I'm going to be doing is taking care of me. Because that's all I'm really in control of and same thing with you. And so that's what I hope for everyone that ever follows me, listens to, you know, listens to this show or anything that I'm doing is take care of you and the ripple effects of that will reach me. Damn, that's good. Angela, where can people uh, keep up with you, learn a little bit more about you? Where you at? Oh, baby. Um, I am Alpha Hippie on all the, the fine channels and uh, website. And uh, if you're a man out there and want to hang out with us, I'm very, I'm not very active on my, my social channels where I spend the most time is in our Facebook group, The Way of the Courageous Man. This is a free Facebook group. I believe this morning we're around 1,300 other men where uh, we connect. And just what I like to say is this is a place for men where they could take off their bras and let their titties hang out and just relax. You know what I mean? And just be men and, hey, some days we're flush and some days we're bust and some days we want to talk a little SHIT and some days we need a little support. All the good stuff, you know, that make us men. And it's a safe place where everyone could feel unjudged, accepted, and get the support that uh, they really need because like I said we understand it and uh, whatever energy that you need we're ready to bring man I appreciate it I appreciate your willingness to uh, to chat with us today I'm gonna go back I'm gonna listen to this thing a couple times and pick out all of the nuggets so I appreciate you for showing up I appreciate you for doing what you're doing brother Dude, I'm so grateful to be on the show with you and, and also to uh, your community. So lucky to have a leader like you, buddy. It's, uh, it's there. I pray that anyone that gets to have you as a coach knows how lucky that they actually are, that they have someone like you that walks the walk and is continually looking out for the betterment of them and not just betterment of your pocket or some bullshit. It's a honor to walk this existence with you. Thank you. See you at the gym, everybody. Bye-bye.